Oh, the business model is actually uh, that of what a transportation company would do. Right? So, rocket building a rocket company is like a running a transportation business. Mm-hmm. Just that you know you're connecting two points, uh, of which one of them is not on the planet. That's it. Think of it as an Amazon truck that will take parcels or packages from point A and drop it off at point B. Point B being space, right? So the the way you 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 charge your customers is based on how much kgs you take to space or how much mass you take to space. and which deliver which destination you're going to and from where you're going to Hello everyone, that is my guest Shunath Ravichandran. He is the co-founder and CEO of Agnical. They are a Chennai-based Indian aerospace manufacturer specializing in building launch vehicles capable of taking micro and nano satellites to low earth orbit on demand. He started out as an outsider working in finance, but his heart was always in aerospace. So in this episode he talks about the crazy amount of networking, cold calling professors and asking himself some existential questions to get this off the ground. He talks about going through the Airbus incubator to raising 11 million dollars in series A funding. Amazing stuff. Talks about 3D technology, the business model, great product milestones, why India is the best place to build rockets. Talks about the space tech community in India. Talks about dealing with red tape and the government and he gives great advice on how to network if you're a bit shy. And finally, he talks about why he thinks there is life on other planets and why it could be a good thing and much, much more. So please enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, Shwarath. Uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me over. Please tell us this is what you're building. We are building a small rocket that can you know, very quickly launch to space. We want to make the experience of going to space or rather actually booking a ride to space as simple as probably hailing a cab or a taxi to space that's the idea and that's what we're building what was a light bulb moment uh, the light bulb moment was uh, when i i was uh, living in the uh, you know in an area very close to spacex in los angeles okay uh, and that time i used to do a crazy amount of networking because at that time i was not in the space sector myself mm-hmm. i actually used to be in finance then uh, but i knew that i wanted to do something in you know aerospace and space tech when i did a lot of networking there i think i pretty much went to every university in that neighborhood in southern california the one thing i saw was that every lab i visited or every startup i visited had a small satellite waiting to go to space mm. but they were not in space they were sitting in a lab uh, you know on the ground invariably the answers used to be about rockets not being available to take satellites to space right so i was just like okay this doesn't sound right maybe you should just build a very quick rocket to you know cheaply take these guys quickly to space and launch them without any delay that's how naive i was at that time and that's how the idea started uh but yeah that one thing has led to the other and here we are uh, we'll be launching this year cool, cool. how are things going can you share some stats and have you, have you sent anything into space yet <laughs> no uh but hopefully very soon probably next 4 5 months i think we should be ready to get a launch attempt done started in 2017 december we actually associated ourselves with the uh, you know uh, indian institute of technology at chennai uh, and that's how we started our journey right so the one thing that's good about india is that india has done rockets before right you have the indian space research organization isro they've been launching pretty well and there is a lot of know how in the country already so when i decided this has to be based out of india it was very clear that you know the knowledge is there the know how is there all we need to do is gather the right set of people and this should automatically take over so that's how i planned it and that's how things have been going so far as well let's go back to the beginning then 
you know, what what kind of obviously you did the networking, what kind of research did you do after that? Um, you know, what 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 was the first version of this look like and you know, talk about the challenges and yeah, maybe a little bit of background before I get into the challenges mm-hmm. so that I'll give context, right? So um so I I, I was always an aerospace enthusiast. I went into finance because people around me advised me that I wouldn't get a real job in aerospace <laughs> if I did that for a, you know, for an engineering degree. <laughs> so I did electrical engineering and then I, uh, this was in India and then I came to the US to do a master's in financial engineering. And that was just, I would say FOMO, right? I think I was, I was feeling that I was missing out on everything happening in finance because literally everyone in my college friend circle did something or the other in finance. And I felt literally like the odd uh, guy out. So I found this interesting course called financial engineering, which seemed to be a blend of, you know, finance and engineering, at least in the name of it. And that's what I did. Got a job uh, at, you know, AXA in New York. And that was about, you know, doing trading to manage a portfolio. So nothing about aerospace, but I think I needed that, uh, you know, to fully realize that my heart, uh, you know, is in engineering. At the same time, I also uh, had a little bit of, you know, uh, I would say introspection that I had to do because I felt like I was already changing too many things, right? Mm. I'd gone from electrical to finance and I'm going, I feel like going back to aerospace. Is this me just, you know, jumping from place to place, not knowing what to do or am I serious about stuff? Mm. I had these questions myself, uh, which is when I actually started doing, uh, you know, exploring a lot of other hobbies, meeting a lot of different people from all walks of mm. life just to understand where I fit in the society. <laughs> a lot of existential questions came up. And this was back, I think, in 2010, 2011 kind of a time frame. Uh, in fact, one of those uh, things that I really wanted to do actually was uh, I, I just love everything about filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in fact, even went to uh, evening film school in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that for like four or five years, actually. Mm-hmm. So, and interestingly, one of the assignments in screenwriting is actually what got me <laughs> to be very clear that I had to do a career in uh, aerospace. Mm-hmm. So that's how this journey started. And I always felt at that time that, you know, I'm an outsider to the industry, mm-hmm. which is why I was very clear that I had to move to the Los Angeles area because SpaceX is there and uh, SpaceX was doing a lot of interesting work at that time. The community there was thriving. And this Going to Mars was not a crazy conversation in any of the meetups that were happening in that area, mm-hmm. right? So when that realized that there is a problem here, and there was this basic thought that someone should be able to make rockets extremely quickly, extremely affordably, extremely, you know, uh, easily. That was still missing. It felt like the 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 wave, the big wave that happened in the semiconductor industry, right? Everything became smaller. Mm. Actually, helped satellites get smaller, but rockets, which are basically trucks that haul, you know, satellites to space, they sort of were stuck in the previous era. So this is when I felt there is really a gap here because rockets are not catching up fast enough as the satellite market is changing. Configured this very basic vehicle design and reached out to about, you know, 80, 90 professors across India. Mm. Uh, I cold call a lot of them. And I think I also, you know, reached people who were very busy. So not too many people were, you know, uh, ready to give time. And rightfully so, right? I was talking to very, I was trying to get the attention of, uh, you know, very busy people. One prof out of IIT Madras uh, here in Chennai happened to give us a, you know, one one meeting slot. And with that, the whole thing started. So we went through thousands of iterations of the vehicle, uh, trying to understand what would really address this problem in the market, right? And that's how things started. Basically. What was it like cold calling? Because you must have had a few negative 
pushbacks and naysayers, you know, what, what you're doing, etc., and things like that. Yeah, that that was not that's not <laughs> that was not few. That was like that was the majority actually. A lot of people gave me, uh, you know, advice on on me not be doing the right thing by switching careers too often or you know leaving a safe job and coming and doing this or you know if i'm really thinking about the whole thing right just because i'm around spacex doesn't mean you know i can also build a rocket i had every version of it and i'm and i think it was not i would say with the it, it was not ill intention right it was all like well meaning advice because people really thought that i was getting carried away by what i was seeing and what i wanted to do as opposed to actually building a career so still a lot of respect for those people because every time they question me i used to go and think about that exact point and sort of eliminated that actually being a problem so i still feel like you know they kind of helped me make sure that i wouldn't get doubts later once i jumped uh, you know jumped all in mm-hmm. uh, yeah cold calling was just a lot of brute force energy required you just had to not take any of the naysayers uh directly seriously you have to take the well intentioned advice out of it and try to see how to how it will help you shape your vision at least that's how i interpreted it and that's how we went about it so the breakthrough moment was the you know the guy at madras uh, what what happened after that then we obviously had to build a team and actually build the stuff right yeah i mean i, I think so one other thing that happened is in between all of this i met my co-founder moin as well so mm-hmm. moin is actually uh, another person who has a very circuitous career path before landing up here uh, he has a bachelor's in aerospace and then masters in aerospace management he worked in quantas the airline company mm-hmm. and all of this and he ran a cosmetics company in chennai a yeah, right. cosmetics manufacturing company <laughs> so and he was sort of fed up with that and he was trying to go to aerospace which is when i told him about this and interestingly moyan and i know each other because we used to play cricket together so random uh, people who met for playing cricket mm. and that's how the this friendship started which is now become a you know very serious <laughs> professional relationship so, i have to ask who, who who's the best who's oh uh, moin is an infinitely better cricketer than my <laughs> than i do <laughs> uh, i i'm not a great cricketer i i can i can hold a bat i can throw the ball if that counts for cricket but i used to hang around there because everyone in my friend circle uh you know plays uh, really good cricket and i wanted to hang around there so i was like the ball boy i could say uh taking around the kids for people and stuff and uh both moyan and i actually we don't drink uh because yeah, for health reasons and stuff mm. uh so we we were the people driving other people around <laughs> so uh that 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 sort of fused our bond our mm. friendship actually and that's when i was telling him about my own journey to aerospace right he was actually quite fascinated by the whole thing and he actually joined me in some of these call calls and when prof out of uh, chennai actually uh, said okay uh, you know he gave up his cosmetics company to his cousins and you know i quit my job in la and came back to chennai and that's how we started the good thing about starting a a tech company out of a university is you immediately get interns mm. and you immediately get people who would like to work with you but also they are also building resumes they are building you know they're trying to they're trying to build something else not exactly the rocket uh, at least most of them that's because they never that, that was not their goal right when they came mm. to college so the hard part was actually convincing people that this is a meaningful idea that you know we can be a group we can we can be a company that people can trust those things were the harder thing to break uh, but i mean yeah one thing led to the other spacex was doing its thing back in the us uh, so people were getting inspired seeing those accomplishments and those things actually also helped move things here in india with investors and people mm. so slowly that that that's how we basically built the 
Yeah, talk, talk about investors then. Obviously, it's not for the faint-hearted, and you know, you probably need a lot of deep pockets as well. So, it was was it tough to sort of overcome those type of challenges? Uh, yeah, it was tough, uh, mainly because in India, at least, you know, investing in space tech was definitely not considered mainstream. In fact, it was not considered <laughs> as an option at all. Uh, very few people actually knew that, you know, you could actually build meaningful business models out of uh, out of the space tech industry and you can actually make money in the VZ route, right? Uh, otherwise, the traditional way I think people thought about it was, okay, you get a grant from the government and build stuff and it may work or it may not work. It, that's not how you bet with, uh, you know, money where returns are being definitely looked at, right? Uh, not means VC money. But uh, there were a few people in the country uh, which we were able to reach out to. Again, through sheer effort of cold calling, right? Mm. Uh, just I think I reached out about 800 investors or so. And wow. two, three people actually seem to have some idea that there is a business model that is possible here. Mm. And with that, it started. So we started off with a half a million dollar seed round and then and then once I had that happening, the VC community started taking us as a company more seriously yep. uh, because that, you know, seed round of money came in. And beyond that, we also started putting out, you know, a little bit of product milestones, right? Started doing engine testing, firing, started showing people what hardware we built, uh, showed people our avionics, our, you know, our mission design. And these things slowly started building uh, us, uh, gave us some credibility, actually. And that's how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sort of got in a little immune to people saying, no, this doesn't work. Because I do understand that it's foreign for them. And it, it's, it, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to, which I think will happen soon. So you mm-hmm. just have to get, you know, be with the girl for a little more time. Mm-hmm. Going back to the pitching then, because that must have been quite difficult to do, because obviously you can't sort of demo this. How did you sort of get around that then? Oh, yeah, it was like, a, I think every pitch uh, was actually a three-step process, right? First, you need to, I, at least I had to you know, I had to educate people mm. on what the sector is, what are rockets, right? I mean, everyone knows what a rocket is, but from a business standpoint, where does it fit? What is it serving? What is its end goal? Who are its customers? Who are the people who, you know, help you build it and so on? And then the next was about within the space sector itself where do rock or what about rockets what are the different types of rockets who are the people building it you could probably call it a market survey of the competition uh, or a little bit uh, you know around the competition and uh, finally i had to get to agni right and say okay agni this is why we are different mm. so that was like a three step process so it took a little more time uh, probably 2x or 3x the time it usually takes to convince an investor uh, because this was also required uh, but but i think the way we were able to actually raise money was because we had, uh, you know, a bunch of people who had already built rockets advising us. Right. Right. And we were also putting out hardware product milestones. People were seeing our engines firing. People were seeing our rigs come up, our facilities come up. So it slowly gave us some credibility in the fact that, you know, people thought, okay, these guys can probably do something with the money if we give them the money. Mm. So that's how we built it up. What, what was the most common question the investors were asking you then? What is the probability that the first launch would succeed? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's not the number one FAQ. <laughs> and uh, as a founder, I would always like to say 100%. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah. But, 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 you know, you're raising money. You need to make sure that in case your first launch fails, you need to still, uh, you know, uh, you need to survive to see the next three, four launches. Because 
we we know that you know we can get it right in the tech you know worst case in two or three launches but then you need the money for that so we always raise money keeping in mind at least four launches all right but at the same time you can't go out and say hey i'm i'm building for failure so that was always a tricky part of the conversation <laughs> yeah you mentioned business model what what is the business model behind this Oh, the business model is actually uh, that of what a, a transportation company would run. So, oh. rocket uh, building a rocket company is like a running a transportation business. Mm-hmm. It's just that you know you're connecting two points uh, of which one of them is not on the planet. That's it. Think of it as an Amazon truck that will take parcels or packages from point A and drop it off at point B. Point B being space, right? So the the way you 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 charge your customers is based on how much kgs you take to space or how much mass you take to space. and which deliver which destination you're going to and from where you're going to which probably i think is what a cargo company on the ground would also charge you right if you if you if you're sending a big machine from uh, say i don't know chennai to new delhi for example mm. uh, say like, okay you're going to delhi you're going from chennai and you're taking 100 kgs with you okay this is the cost per kg or cost per kilometer very similar you know pricing models exist for rockets as how, how far is this rocket going to go then We'll go to a class of uh, orbits called low Earth orbits, mm. which is basically like you know four hundred five hundred kilometers uh, high. Uh, it's that's why it's called low Earth. It's not very far away. It's mm. it's it's five just five hundred kilometers above. But that is the it's the hottest orbital real estate for commercial uh, uh, you know use cases, right? So people do go further out, and of course you can go really all the way out to the moon or you know deep space into Mar to Mars and stuff. But if you're trying to at least today. If you're trying to make money out of going to space, then the the hot real estate, orbital real estate, is in the low Earth orbit, uh, you know, zone. Mm. You you actually got to into an accelerator as well, an incubator. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, talk right, talk yeah. about that. So, association with the uh, university here in Chennai, IIT Madras, that was through an incubation agreement. So, the one thing again that so we got lucky with meeting Prof. Uh, we got lucky that Prof was interested. We also got lucky with the fact that. uh his the university he was a part of id madras actually had an incubation system uh so that was helpful in getting us you know a lot of the basics sorted out right the paperwork how to ship you know the, the all of the things required to set up a company to get started with access to university facilities all of that happened through this other thing is that you know we also got became a part of the airbus um, accelerator program nice. so yeah. airbus was actually trying to find companies that could potentially be vendors to them uh, if you're building interesting products and we thought we could actually you know probably make some engines for them if they're interested so that was also a part of our conversation that gave us a lot of exposure to the french ecosystem so those yeah those things have always been helpful meeting the you know the giants in the industry uh, where you're trying to start off or trying to understand their policies practices the the realities of the game uh, right so that was very helpful sort of a boring question but what about like things like red tape and uh, dealing with the government etc etc is that was that quite hard oh. is it that was initially hard because india didn't have a clear space policy for uh, you know launching uh, in fact that would be the second question uh, you asked me about the most frequently asked question uh, after the uh, probability of failure in the first launch the next question usually was will the government allow you to launch but we're very lucky that now uh, i think along with this uh, set of initiatives that the indian government announced for covid uh, you know related measures right uh, this whole uh, you know initiative to be self reliant and supporting medical people you know services here space tech got a push as well like we got very lucky there again uh, so now we have a space policy now we have a framework now we have a single point you know 
contract a single window system to approve authorize and deal with all of our launch related requests so that is now actually been completely eliminated so the government has actually reasonably you know supportive now trying to actually help us do the launch nice. uh, this was not the case in 2017 when we started uh, what what's like the space tech community in india like then is it is it growing is it uh, a large community yeah you say? Yeah, it is actually a large community because uh, the space agency actually has been developing vendors for its own uh, needs, right? So we actually have a set of, uh, you know, suppliers, a set of, uh, you know, people in India who know what it means to make hardware for space. Mm. And this has all been done uh, by ISRO, trained by ISRO, people trained by ISRO. So they know what it means when you go and ask them of extremely detailed set of requirements for tests to be done before you put something in space. Mm. Uh, the good thing it's also ha- so so that was there the knowledge was there the know-how was there the vendor system was there what is the new thing that's happening now is because the policy has been announced because you have the government actually helping you get this done uh, you're seeing a lot of startups also come up mm. uh, you don't need to be a vendor to ISRO to now do something in, this, in, in the country for space previously that was the case right you want to do something for space tech go become a vendor for the space agency now it's almost like the space agency can play the role of a regulator. There is a framework in place that will allow the agency to do that. And so you can pretty much be on your own and get things done. So that's the shift. And so we're seeing a lot of startups come up, a lot of interest in people just joining space tech startups right out of their college or taking space tech courses. And I mean, space is actually, the buzz in space is back in India, I think. Space is the future, definitely. I, I, I suppose it's that old, the old argument, you know, the money that could be, you know, is going into the space injury could be spent on, you know, infrastructure, roads, hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. It's probably, it's probably an argument you hear, you know, quite a few times. But Yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, a lot of people actually unknowingly or knowingly enjoy the benefits of, uh, you know, space technology, uh, even though it may not look like that, right? GPS, for example, I think all of us use it on our phones. In fact, all of our phones work because of the communication satellites. That's right. Uh, this podcast is probably also yep. possible because of satellites. <laughs> So I do think it has become a platform today. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a platform. So putting a little bit of resources there to enable this platform to allow for more people to experiment actually would be a good thing. Uh, a lot of the, I think a lot of the materials that we use in the medical community today uh, started off in, um, you know, uh, uh, in the space industry uh, mm-hmm. because that was needed there for the harsh environments. Uh, a lot of the industrial processes that were required actually came from there. Uh, a lot of the technology for autopilot, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I think autopilot as a, a concept started off with rockets, mm. right? And now everyone is talking about cars uh, with on autopilot, right? So I think the, the, the theory for autopilot and control systems actually started off in rocket industry. So you have all of these things percolating from space tech to every other part of the community. So I think it's definitely something that we should put a little bit of resources into and keep pushing it while at the same time trying to solve problems that are, you know, uh, that others are facing in other places and other sectors as well. You mentioned milestones earlier. Go, go, what, what's been the sort of highlight so far in during your time here? What's been the standout? Uh, any specific day, any any highlight? Uh, yeah, quite a few actually. I mean, the big one was when we did our, you know, uh, 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 so our engines are actually uh, unique uh, in the sense that they're fully 3D printed and one shot. So usually a rocket engine is a bunch of different parts put together and you know you're carefully welded or machined or they're assembled together extremely carefully and it's an extremely tedious process uh the team here came up with a with a design a completely new design where the whole engine can be 3d printed and one shot so 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 basically what comes out of a 3d printer 
is ready to be just fit into the rest of the rocket. uh so and that sounded nice uh, on paper and uh, even during printing but we were very nervous to see how it's going to work when you actually put it to test uh so the first time the 3d printed engine operated uh and successfully worked i think that was the that was a big moment that i cannot forget i also think other big moments were you know when the space research organization actually signed an agreement with us to formally support us for all of our activities uh, that will eventually get us to launch uh, that was a big moment for me mainly because uh, when i started off there was no answer to the question of will the government really support you and here now i have a, you know an agreement formally with the government saying yes we are behind you if you want to go launch so i think those moments are something that i really cannot forget mm-hmm. yeah so in terms of competitors can competition would you say are you like the main players then uh there are quite a few people building rockets right, right. Uh, uh and and these come in like variety of uh, you know say you know classes of uh, satellite mass so you have the 1 ton class you have the 10 ton class you have the 500 kg class you have the 100 kg class so and i see a lot of people in the 1 ton and 500 kg class mm. uh, but we actually consciously chose to be in the smallest end of the spectrum because right. we really wanted to offer dedicated launches we wanted to build a cab to space. Mm-hmm. I was very clear of that uh, goal from the very beginning because we felt there is a gap there. Uh, if you want to haul a truck to space, you have SpaceX, you have India's own PSLV, you have like you have like multiple rockets that go. Uh, you have Ariane from uh, uh, the you know the European Space Agency. But uh, what about if you just want to send 50 kg to space? Mm-hmm. Uh, is the right shot the only way? Uh, that uh, that's not how we thought it should be. so that's why uh, you know we operate here uh, there are a few people uh, who operate in the 500 kg class in the 1 ton class but very very few people actually in the 100 kg class so uh, but there is some competition and a lot of people are trying to build rockets today which is generally a good thing i think for the sector as a whole uh, but i think even within that we operate in a slightly different sector and our technology and the way in which we build our products are quite is quite different from what others are doing Yeah, you mentioned technology. So it's it's 3D printing. That's that's the main technology that you're using. Is there anything else that you're using? Oh yeah, three things, right? One is 3D printing and the other one is uh, the ability to, you know, sort of scale your rocket engines up and down uh based on what the customer wants. So it's almost like, you know, buying a laptop, right? Uh if both of us here want to buy laptops, I'm sure that even if we agree on the brand and the uh product series you'd probably be buying different ram or different hard disk sizes or you know different monitor size because you may want a larger monitor i may want more graphics card <laughs> whatever right these versions exist very similar things happen in the rocket industry as well but today there is no such solution you basically given a rocket and you sort of have to compromise something to get onto the rocket we want to change that and say hey if this is the mission if this is the target okay this is the rocket that you will you can build so we want to sort of make personalize the whole aspect of building a rocket mm. uh, so that's a new thing and then finally we also have this ability to launch from any launch pad basically it's a completely mobile solution you're not stuck to one launch pad or one infrastructure this will help us actually scale to more launches per year right because if you're just hogging up one launch pad all the time i don't think that makes sense i mean other people will also want to launch and you can't dictate your timelines fully uh, certain missions are better off from certain launch spots so we actually want to have that flexibility as well so they also brought that into the equation so these are some of the new things that they're trying sounds exciting when, when are you actually launching then when, when's when's the big day uh targeting somehow something to happen by uh, late this year hopefully by uh, september or october uh the stage is ready the vehicle is ready going to do a lot of testing and software simulations to make sure everything is right 
Uh, so I think one or two launches this year. Hopefully that's the target, and hopefully getting into some sort of a small steady state by next year. Probably four launches a year or something starting next year. Let's see how that goes. What what is it you're sp- sending into space then? I'll be sending customers satellites. Right. Uh, either people who want to go up and take pictures, or people who want to bounce off signals, or okay. uh, for communication. I also have a few people who want to test out their systems in microgravity. Mm. Uh, this is now becoming a business case because it's really hard and costly to generate microgravity on Earth, right? Uh, you have to you have to do a centrifuge and you have to pay for that, and it consumes a lot of energy and effort. And interfacing, uh, you know, uh, is a nightmare. Uh, we instead told our customers that hey, you can just we are we are we are inexpensive enough. You can just come with us. We'll give you microgravity at a reasonable price. And so we have a few people trying that as well. Sounds exciting. How, how excited are you then about doing this? Super excited. <laughs> I think uh, it's been like a really long journey, and looks like the first flight is very near. Uh, so yeah, barely sleep <laughs> these days. <laughs> would you would you change anything looking back then? Uh, no, actually, uh, I think uh, I uh, yeah I, I continue to be the same. Word. Uh, you know, my my standard go to algorithm is still brute force and keep trying till one day luck will favor you. So nothing really, I think, uh, to nothing really to change. So that has worked, and I think I'll continue doing that. I suppose as a, as a founder, you know, we've changed sort of one two people team now, probably a sixty people team. How how are you finding the lead, lead you know the leadership side of things? Oh, yeah, it's a very interesting challenge, and I'm just starting to learn that we're 100 people today, and uh, you know, it's it's not enough if only uh, me and Moin uh, are the leaders. We need uh, an entire set of leaders in the company, and I think uh, you know, uh, coaching them, telling them the right kind of principles, and we try to instill a core set of four or five values in yeah. everyone in the company, uh, because you can't really tell people how to act, but you can tell them a concrete guideline which captures the way in which people think and the way in which people react. Right, uh, so that is what we try to instill, and we do very regular sessions with the entire team, highlighting that over and over. Because I think if those guiding principles are completely absorbed by people, then everything will happen the way we would like this company to work. And, and actually, actually, what what do you think about what uh, you know Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are doing? They're, they're sort of building rockets and sending people to space and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I think I think at least with Elon Musk, uh, the, the reason why today this is a business model that's possible is because. Uh, he started putting dollar numbers out publicly, and he started proving that you can actually raise money and you know launch rockets. So that is definitely something the entire community is thankful for. I think he got this buzz into space tech back after a really long time. Bezos um, and other people, rich people, are trying to go there. I mean, it's great, right? I mean, because in some sense, uh, going to space is definitely going to be a big uh, motivation for a lot of people. I think every 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 kid grows up wanting to be an astronaut at some point. Right, I, at least I know kids who are like that. A lot of them. So, and actually seeing this happen is going to build the entire sector as a whole. It's a lot of money, a lot of technology being built just to address this. So, uh, I'm yeah. I, I feel more people should try to do this. It just mm. feels like that will make the industry a lot more, you know, easily accessible to people, bringing costs down, bringing competition, uh, you know, to all sectors, and that will make it a level playing field for everyone. Mm. What's going to happen in the future? Then go go mad, go crazy. Are we going to be living in on the moon or living in the Mars? Um... Yeah. I think so. I think I think today everything that has to happen in space has to start off from Earth. I think that will change. I think there'll be multiple destinations. Uh, you'll have a low Earth orbit destination. You'll have Moon as a sort of like the you know the last 
you know spot from where you can access uh, you know uh, the rest of space uh, you'll have small neighborhoods in mars uh, you'll probably have theme parks in zero gravity i mean name it <laughs> there is you know space operates with a very different set of uh, you know uh, environmental conditions right so the physics there is very pure you don't have you know you don't you don't experience gravity the way you do on the surface when you are in orbit uh, you uh, temperatures are low uh, you know uh, conditions are different so there's actually a scope for a lot of things once access to space becomes easy mm. today i think that's the real problem that we are trying to solve for right our vision as a company is also to make going to space the easiest part of doing something from space because today i think that's a hard part once you get there people know what to do but getting there is hard in uh, costly probably not quick uh, once you solve for that i think it's a new environment and yeah i mean it's it's like it's like you know you suddenly got an access to uh hill station or something you can mm. do a lot of things there so it's going to become like that it's supposed to be like new jobs as well like you know in the future it could be like space mining space farming etc yeah right space yeah definitely i think asteroid mining is going to be it's a little further out i think mm. but uh, at least in the next 20 30 years that will happen for sure uh, i think a lot of this will also translate to helping others uh, you know with other regular technology that everyone uses which has nothing to do with space tech new materials being built new mm. approaches to technology all of these things would directly impact you know other sectors completely uh, disconnected with space so yeah it's it's just it's basically in some sense if you just took it globally right a lot of money going into building good technology and that is going to help all of us i think mm. i i have to ask um you know do do you do you believe in life on other planets and uh, 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 is a little, are we are are we alone or is the life on other planets you think there's very likely life on other planets uh just sheer probability i think will account for that i think it just cannot be that you know there are 10 like you know 100 billion stars and in each galaxy and there are 100 billion galaxies right so you have like 100 billion times 100 billion uh stars and each of them may have like 10 or so planets or probably 50 and uh, and this goldilocks zone where earth is uh who's definitely going to be there in one of those stars in one of their planets and i mean at some level i think yeah some carbon molecules can come together and start thinking about things like what we do so that's possible probably there are other life forms as well that you don't mm. even know uh of but 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 still can exist so yeah i definitely think there are aliens around it will be fun i hope in our lifetimes we actually establish contact with an alien yeah. let's see if that happens hope hope the hope the friendly <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually also think it's the it's going to be the single biggest uniting force for the entire the entire uh, you know entire human species, right? Because right now we still have our own differences, uh, and there are a lot of you know bad things happening in the world today in terms of conflicts and you know clashes and wars and all that. But I think once you know that hey, all of us are here together, we are just one species, and there's one more species out there, and hopefully they're friendly. but still i think it's the biggest uniting force for all of us if you know that one other species exists <laughs> so yeah in terms of the space race then um where where is india in the space race obviously you know we got america china israel is is in is india in the mix oh i think definitely i think among the four five countries which have very regular launching capacity mm. we have uh, india and japan as well so you have us you have uh, russia you have uh, you know uh, japan you have china and you have india i think people who repeatedly go to space and of course you have europe as well yeah. so these are the six uh, countries that regularly go uh, europe i mean i think there they have the whole 
yeah space agency that comes where everything is built by group of nations together yeah. right so europe as a continent but i think there is definitely uh, india is up there already uh, we do need to do a lot more in terms of deep space uh, in terms of you know sending people to orbit and all that which is what the uh, you know the, the the agency is working on right now so uh yeah i think we are headed in the right direction cool cool that's all good last few questions then what advice would you give to our first time founders the real reason for why they want to be an entrepreneur because uh, i think uh, the number one thing that will make you stick around with the goal uh, is going to be the core emotion that's driving you to be an entrepreneur right so i think people should really understand why they're trying to do what they're trying to do and if that is clear then no matter what happens no matter the odds of success people will stick around and if they stick around for long enough i'm pretty sure that at least one day probability will favor you <laughs> and yeah. mathematically speaking you can't have a thousand days of bad days in a row it doesn't make sense life doesn't work that way yeah. so mathematics will start favoring you at some point but you need grit to get through that uh, you know the 999 bad days and for that you really need to know why you're trying what you're trying so i think the why is the most important part for the uh, for the for, for of any founder probably a little bit of business sense because at least if you're doing technology you can't get too lost in the r&d this is a business you need to raise money you need to return to your investors you have you know fiduciary responsibility and keeping your shareholders happy as well and you're trying to add value to customers uh, all of those things need a basic business sense right it need not be like you're you're, you're like a you know a extremely experienced business person but at least like okay hey I, this much is what i spend this much is what i make this is the profit at least at that level you need to understand things a bit mm. so i think yeah just really understanding what you're doing what you're doing and some basic business sense is i think a good combination to start off with and if someone wants to do a space tech startup like yourself what advice would you give them and any sort of do's or don'ts uh oh yeah i have tons i'll just keep it to two in each category for now uh, you know keeping time in mind biggest do is uh, you know be very clear of the business case because space tech can mislead you in terms of uh, you know the technological the, the the aspirations you have may eclipse uh your ability to look at the business case so always make sure there is a business case like for example if someone is building a rocket to go to uh one of jupiter's moons today uh that may not be a good business case <laughs> right uh so that's something to keep in mind and also i think to be extremely thorough uh that's that's it's harder than it sounds because uh, you need to be quick and nimble and at the same time also be extremely rigorous with stuff like documentation and processes and qualification all of the boring things have to go hand in hand uh with all of the cool things uh that at least typically people perceive as cool and boring so i think that's 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 important to keep in mind as far as don't uh, don't expect anything uh uh close to instant gratification things take time to work so <laughs> everything is a journey uh if you do something today you're going to see the rewards for it at least six months down the line so if you're looking for something tomorrow probably building space tech hardware is not the best place and uh yeah do not let uh i think the 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 failures actually deter you uh right that's the other big uh, you know caution point if failure is a part of doing space tech so in fact i think elon musk has said that you know the more you're failing the more you're learning some version of that should hopefully keep you uh, positive through all your failures yeah good good advice there um actually you mentioned networking at the start of this call how does one network because you see a lot of people in conferences just staring at their mobile phones probably you you you've managed oh, yeah. to overcome that uh, successfully <laughs> that's not my strong point no. i really struggle with it even today uh, but yeah i i always tell myself hey maybe that guy who is also busy on his phone is probably also hesitant to talk to someone maybe i can break it for him <laughs> that's the story i tell myself <laughs> 
maybe they're as shy as I am, or maybe he's more shy than I am. So let me break it for him. That that story has worked for me. But also, I, I keep reminding myself of you know, hey, what if this guy is going to get you to the next big you know investor that is going to give you a lot of money? So maybe this conversation is going to change your life. I, I tell myself all these stories, and somehow say the hello, and after that, actually things start to go. <laughs> Uh, by themselves right i think just saying that first hello or like mm. making sure that you're crossing this point of am i disturbing this guy is he going to be busy and am i interrupting him i think that is the question that usually keeps me you know uh, that holds me back and i use these two techniques to tell myself that it's okay hey, worst case he's going to be busy in which case he'll be saying sorry i have something to do i'll say okay sorry to bother you and go back <laughs> so but 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 you know i'm not i'm not as good as i want to be on that it's something i'm still learning mm. No, it seems to be going quite well. Um, so, so you're based in Madras. Is that like the main place for the Indian space industry then? Uh, the launch port here is very close to Chennai. Right. Uh, it's like, you know, just 70 kilometers from here. So that way it's good. We have the university here, right? That's right. good. Uh, so, and, you know, Chennai is an automotive hub. So there's a lot mm. of uh, supplier ecosystem around. And uh, they've not made space tech products much, but they have made products, hardware products. And they understand things like testing qualification, right. you know, QC, quality assurance, these things that, uh, you know, that hardware needs, that an industry needs. So I think that way Chennai is really, really good. Uh, I, I think given the fact that, you know, Bangalore, uh, which is where ISRO is headquartered, is probably six, six hours by train or mm. two hours by flight. Uh, and uh, the other, the, the launch port is about an hour by drive. I think it's not a bad place to start off. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Awesome stuff. Right. Last question uh, for people who want more information on you and what you're building. What must they do? How do they connect? Oh, uh, I'm quite active on LinkedIn and yeah. on Twitter. So uh, that's the best way. LinkedIn is literally the best way to reach out to me, I think. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do reply to people who ping me on Twitter. So, yeah, we can take it from there. So enough. Thanks for coming on the show today. I really, really enjoyed it. And I uh, wish you all the best uh, for the launch in uh, September, hopefully. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, sure. Hopefully it's September. And yeah, thanks for having me on this uh, podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. Awesome stuff. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks to Shridath for coming on the show today. For more information, check out agnicol.in. Thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. And if you're building something exciting, please send me an email, hello at neilpatel.co. Or you can tweet at Indian Startup SH. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash Indian Startup Show. We'd love to connect. Thank you and goodbye.